0: Going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Happy Wednesday, although it feels like Friday, almost like a Monday. This whole coming back from the holidays has been a bit of a challenge. I don't know about the rest of you. A, getting into a regular sleep pattern has become a bit of a challenge somehow. I don't know how. B, I don't know what my meals are supposed to be anymore because turkey is running low. And C, it's just trying to do this whole five-day work week. I I was used to like two or three days. How do we make this a thing? Can we make this a thing? No? Okay. All right. Fascinating story I've stumbled across when it comes to rebranding Motel Village. It's become almost, I don't want to call it a black mark on the city because it's not, but it's got that feeling like, oh, you don't want to go over there. That's where those kinds of things happen. And so the Banff Trail Community Association has been talking about what exactly we can do to maybe make it less notorious. But are they facing an uphill battle? It can't be easy to rebrand a neighborhood, even if it's not really a brand motel village. It's just a moniker that it's really taken Uh, Mount Royal University's uh, Donna Dumont will join us. She's the Associate Professor and Chair of the Marketing uh, Department at Mount Royal University. She'll join us after 5 o'clock to chat about that. We'll also find out more about the city's parking open houses, and in particular, the residential parking. Uh, They had their first open house yesterday. They've got a few more scheduled through the course of the week. We'll chat with Kim Goal, uh, parking strategist with the city, after 4 o'clock, about what they're hoping to hear, why they're having these open houses in the first place, and who it all affects at the end of the day. So that and a whole lot more coming up here on Calgary today. But I'm going to start things off political, because, you know, why not? And y'all know I'm a farm kid. Y'all know that I I have a little bit of an issue when it comes to this thought process that we farm kids are nothing but dumb hicks. There seems to be that perception and this whole back and forth over the Bighorn County issue is driving me bananas. I'm going to tell you why in just a second as well we're going to be joined by al kemery from the rural municipalities of alberta because i want to make sure i'm not out to lunch on this but there's a few things that make me go you know we can be, it's it'd be one thing if it was just one issue with rural municipalities in this province and rural residents in this province in the eyes of the ndp government but this isn't the first i'll explain that next this is calgary today on 770 chqr All right, here we go. Back when Bill 6 was first introduced. <laughs> now, you remember that one? Remember all the farmers who were up in arms over this? I went. I was actually one of the very few people, I think, who actually read that thing, the original bill, from front to back, back to front, trying to wrap my head around it because I didn't believe a lot of the rhetoric that was being passed around. And then I went, you know, devil's advocate would tell me that this could actually be be a possibility. So here's one of my many explanations on why I was vehemently opposed to Bill six, aside from the consultation issue, which became a massive, massive problem. But in that particular case, the communication was not clear as to whether or not a farm, a family farm, would get or could get inspected by occupational health and safety. And I asked the question of the minister at the time. So what you're saying is, and this is something that I did as a 10-year-old kid who's sitting on a garden tractor cutting grass. If he's not wearing a helmet, you could shut the whole farm down. Well, that's not what we're saying, but the, but it's in the rules. Beyond that, I grew up on a farm that had pretty old equipment, like 30, 35-year-old equipment. It was older than I was, and it was susceptible to be bro- uh, breaking down that kind of thing. And I said, okay, technically, it's unsafe. I, we've had issues uh, if an OHS inspector came by and, and deemed it unsafe, you're going to tell a family farmer to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on new equipment. Well, that's not what we're saying, but you, you, you're not saying it, but you are. And eventually it got turned around. And the whole issue came back down to, were you communicating and consulting with farmers? Here we are again, how many, up three years later, two years later, and we're having the same issues. The consultation issue between the NDP government and rural municipalities or counties or farmers seems to be lacking. There's a disconnect there. We need to address this and how we haven't boggles my mind. Maybe I'm out to lunch too. I am, I don't know for sure. And so to maybe shed a little bit more light on this, we bring in uh, from the rural municipalities of Alberta, President Al Kemery. Uh, Al, thanks so much for uh, taking the time this afternoon. Well, thank you for allowing us to, to have some, some commentary on some of these items. Am I wrong in thinking that this provincial government might have a rural consultation problem? Uh, and I know that sounds kind of far-reaching, but at the same time, when you look at Bill 6, and you look at uh, the Springbank Dry Dam, and now you look at Bighorn, there just seems to be a disconnect here some, some way, shape, or form.
1: Well, and you know my role from r m a and i'm going to clarify up front is um we we're try not to be too political in our direction and more um, um advisory in our role as far as um what takes place in on our landscape, but I think public consultation um on these items so that the people who are affected or the parties. That are affected um, have their chance to say their part and also hear the information coming forward from the lips of those who are going to be providing. I think it's always so important that you do that and um, finding different ways of, of consulting um, are are important and it can it can go a long ways to um, to calm the fears. Of the of the public who who are just wanting to understand what's going on.
0: How much of a challenge is it to set up that face to face consultation in today's political climate? From your standpoint, is it really as uh, I'll call it threatening? But is it as difficult as maybe some in the political world would make it seem? well
1: i think it can be it can be challenging because you know when it comes to consultation nobody wants to come forward with a blank piece of paper either and because then you don't focus any discussion but at the same time when you do come forward with the information um make it information that is is begging public input begging commentary from the public and and i'm not so sure that that has always been been the case where you know some of these items at times come through very arbitrary, rather than um, items where we we want your input to to see how we can make it better. And I think those are those are different um, approaches that um, can really change the tone of this.
0: I went on a bit of a semi tirade yesterday on the program, and I want your thoughts on it in terms of it, it's. Uh, Frustrating from my standpoint is that we can be, we should be having more thorough discussions about uh, policy and about things such as a bighorn or the uh, Springbank dry dam or, or real issues. And yet we get bogged down by the rhetoric that is now coming out and even the perception of a threat. Is derailing what should be a common discussion and something that should be, you know, you may not agree on everything, but at least you can hear all sides of an argument.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, that's the key piece is being able to hear all sides of the argument and then build an understanding from that. And when it, when the public doesn't feel that there are, there are all sides being heard, that's when you get the discontent. And um, nobody wants to be unheard or or disregarded, um, because then, um, it brings up a, a a fault in the consultation piece and it, it can steer this sideways. When actually the solutions may be there, but um, people don't get their chance to even hear or see it.
0: Is it a worry as well that there might be it might feel like almost a knee jerk reaction when you say, "Okay, we're going to shut things down and all of a sudden everybody goes ballistic? It's almost a public perception thing where if you would have taken, say, this government had taken a more, "Okay, we're going to put the brake on this thing and start from scratch again because things did go off the rails because of uh, a couple of bozos with keyboards at hand, then maybe we can keep the conversation going in a in a respectful way.
1: Well, bozos is your word, not mine. I'll just clarify <laughs> that right up front. For sure. But um, I think, you know, I'll give you an example, and it affects some of this area over the years, there, there's been a lot of effort, a lot of consultation going into creating the regional land use plan, you know, the North Saskatchewan plan that is under the land use framework. And there's been a tremendous amount of input in that, and that would have been a great place to, um, to identify some of this land use's as as a full picture rather than just a segmented piece because right away suspicion comes forward when it is segmented out you know i think some of the intent that i see um coming through in the big horn development or the Bighorn park um area mm-hmm. um could have some tremendous value but um i don't think we even have a chance to hear the value because we we haven't been engaged in that level at this time and that's that's probably the biggest challenge is trying to get people
0: at the table and, and allow them to be heard. I think you half answered my question, or my next question there, but I, I am curious what you would like to see as maybe the next steps in this process because it seems so, it's been an on again, off again, even in the last couple of days where the minister says, hey, we're, we're scrapping it, and then, okay, maybe we might not, and then they, we'll do online sessions and we'll do phone con- uh, conference calls, and it's been kind of all over the map. What would you like to see the, the environment minister in this province, do when it comes to Bighorn in particular.
1: Well, I think the I think going back to a, a public consultation piece, um, be in front of the people, um, be in front of the people in a safe way though. And I think um, if there if there are these threats being made, um, those threats are are they're, they're by no means are they acceptable and I don't think that that is an approach that needs to be entertained. But at the same time, being in front of the people is um, is part of government and um, we're hoping, or I'm hoping at least, that the, the people can be as respectful as they would want to be, you know, people respecting them and move forward. Um, the inconsistency is only going to make things worse. Uh, I was at my own council table today and um, we had mixed messages as to what the future consultation looks like and it makes it even that much more distrustful. So come down with a, a public engagement piece, be in front of the public, share the information um, broadly, and um, and let the public understand how this is going to be managed in the future and answer all those questions. And then um, take that information back. But don't, don't hurry the process. So the, when you hurry a process, you, you're going to leave things behind. And I don't think that's a good, a good resolution here either.
0: And that's got to be a bit of a frustrating aspect of it, too, as someone who sits on a council, is that you've got a bit of a, a moving target that you're facing with the province as well. That You guys are even having to call into question what exactly is uh, being done here
1: well and yeah and at council we have often the, the privilege of having more information coming to us than the general public does and um when you see that frustration level even at the council table then you can only imagine how that's compounded by the when the public has no real information or not enough information to to answer their questions
0: i'm sure this is a story that you guys are going to be keeping a close eye on and certainly one we're going to be keeping an eye on as well al i appreciate the time this afternoon
1: You bet. Well, thank you. And again, you know, RME is just looking for a better consultation process or an enhanced consultation process and a good understanding how things are going to be managed in the public land use in the future.
0: Agreed. Al Kemery from the Rural Municipalities of Alberta. I'm going to expand on this and give you a little bit more on this whole back and forth over uh, Bighorn in a second. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. So as if you're not confused enough over the Bighorn County issues, Shannon Phillips, the environment minister, comes out today and says she knows of two RCMP investigations into threats and harassment related to government consultations over the changes. Then a statement emailed to Global News says the minister is aware of two complaints. She misspoke... And RCMP are aware. Now, RCMP say they've been made aware of some online interactions, but confirmed that they have no ongoing investigations into the consultations. Needless to say, UCP leader Jason Kenney and others agreeing with the notion that Phillips needs to resign. And here's before this all came about. I was of the mind that I want our, I, I actually want RCMP to investigate these. I really do. I think anybody, and I called them bozos in with that interview with Al Kemery just a second ago. I'll call them keyboard warriors. I'll call them trolls. I'll call them whatever. If you think that it's right in any way, shape, or form to threaten uh, any kind of harm, abuse, anything to anyone of political state just because you disagree with them, I think you're in the wrong and you should get the book thrown at you straight up. End of discussion. We can do better than that, and we should. That being said, if these are found to be salacious, if they're found to be untrue, at that point, and again, this is before all this came about, I thought it was hinged upon the minister to step down. Because you're making up things. You can call it misinformation, but one of the things that I've been railing on for the last little while, especially on Twitter and I'll continue on air about this is let's stop calling it misinformation and let's call it lies. Let's call it what it is. Whether it's Trump, Trudeau, you name it, Notley, if you're going to be knowingly spreading misinformation, you're lying. And again, I want these investigated. I want it to get to I want to get to the bottom of these because I think that it's so stupid now that we have to hold back on any kind of public consultation because there is a threat to security. So let's get to the bottom of it as fast as possible so we can move these things forward. We have two elections coming up. We deserve to talk about policy. We don't We don't need to be diving back into bozo eruptions from any side. It's just mind-boggling to me that we have to get down to this. But now, with this whole misspeaking in that kind of this has been so brutally mishandled no different than bill six no different than Springbank dry dam somebody needs to pay the piper someone needs to be informed within this government and for again i go back to what i said from the very beginning there is some kind of disconnect here between the ndp government and rural issues and somebody please get a hold of it this is calgary today on 770 chqr Over the last, uh, actually last night was the very first of an open house and public feedback for the city's transportation department. Looking into parking, residential parking in particular here in our city and, you know, the ones where you have to have a pass to park in your neighborhood and hoping to alleviate the parking issues that pop up, especially around uh, transit and that kind of thing. And so the city holding the first of a op- uh, series of open houses last night and to dive more into what's to come over the next couple of weeks. We welcome to the program parking strategist, Kim Goal. Kim, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks for having me. What is the city looking to do over the next little while with these open houses? What kinds of things are you hoping to hear from Calgarians?
2: Um, So we're hoping to get Calgarians' feedback on the current residential parking program um, and how the program is working for them or not, um, what kind of challenges and issues they have or any successes that they've had with the program.
0: What was it that sparked this whole conversation to begin with?
2: Um, So this is an older program that we have at the city and we haven't done a formal review of it. Um, And we've heard some issues over the years of things that people have had some challenges with. And we're hoping to find out if those are actually issues um, and if they are, how we can make the program better for everyone who's been using it.
0: Are we talking areas where it's uh, reserved parking for those who live in the area? Are we talking all across the city? Park Plus? What, What areas are we hoping to focus on here?
2: So we're looking at the residential parking permit program, which is essentially the areas where um, it's a residential street that has a restriction. So the accept-by-permit type areas or the two-hour um, two restrictions that are in front of people's houses. Right. Those sorts of areas, not the
0: park-plus areas. Gotcha. Areas. It- is there, what have been some of the concerns around those areas? Is it just a matter of trying to make sure you've got the right amount of parking or does there need to be another system in place? What kinds of things have you heard from residents thus far and even before the consultations began?
2: Um, So we're just getting most of the feedback compiled now. Um, We've had quite a bit of online feedback, um, but some of the issues that we've previously heard in the past um, have included visitors' passes can be a challenge. um, The sizes of the zones can be challenges. um, And we have a bunch of different restrictions in navigating Around the different changing restrictions can also be
0: challenging. Has there been any discussion about expanding those in any way, shape, those zones in any way, shape, or form or reducing them at all?
2: Um, Not particularly as part of the feedback that we've heard thus far, but that's definitely something that we can look at if that is um, concerns that Calgarians have.
0: What's your message for those who have questions about this or uh, have concerns about this or, or just want to know more information about some of the sessions that are going on what you guys are hoping to get out of uh, these open houses?
2: Um, so we have all of the information available online at calgaryca Um and it has all the information about some of the aspects of the program that we're looking for feedback on, as well as the ability to give feedback online. And it also um, explains the remaining workshops and how people can come out to those if they're interested in providing feedback in person.
0: I know whenever you guys have these, is there's an expectation that you'll be going to council with some either recommendations or maybe some, uh, a report of some kind. When can Calgarians expect to see either changes or maybe even not changes because the system is working tickety-boo?
2: We're going to come back in March of 2019 with a What We Heard report that will summarize everything that we've gotten from this round of engagement, um, what the concerns and successes were that Calgarians have. Um, pointed out for us and then from that point we're going to come up with proposed changes um, to the program and then we're going to come out uh, to the public again for feedback on whatever those proposed changes are in June of 2019.
0: I'm sure there are a lot of Calgarians that are looking forward to seeing what you guys have uh, what you guys hear and then what you guys can uh, bring from those conversations so uh, I, I appreciate the time this afternoon thank you so much. Thank you. Kim Goal is a parking strategist with the City of Calgary. They'll be hosting a handful more of these sessions tomorrow, being Thursday at the Triwood Community Association, Saturday at the Genesis Centre in the Northeast, Auburn House on Monday in Auburn Bay, and the Altador Baptist Church on Tuesday. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. I'm always going to know it. I know I'm too young to think of it as this, but I'm always going to know it as the Olympic Saddle Dome. I have a hard time throwing Scotiabank in the front of it. Much the same as in the, on the baseball front, I'll always refer to it as Skydome or the Forum in Montreal, uh, uh, although I know it's, it's now Bell Centre and the Forum's closed and that, but Boston Garden, for example, Madison, if they change Madison Square Garden, I'll always know it as Skydome Dome in, in Toronto. And that's the challenge with rebranding. I find, and so it found. I found it interesting to be reading the story today about how the Banff Trail Community Association is trying to at least start the discussion about renaming the so-called Motel Village. Now, it's not actually the the real name of it. It's not like there's giant signs out front uh, saying "Hey, welcome to Motel Village." It's just an area where there were a lot of motels. Now, it's more higher end ish hotel chains that are in there. But I feel like there's going to be a bit of a challenge facing that group when it comes to changing Calgarians' minds about what it's called. Donna Dumont is an associate professor and chair in the marketing department at the uh, Mount Royal University, and she joins us now. Donna, thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. How difficult is it to rebrand something that isn't really an official moniker to begin with?
3: Yes. Well, it's always challenging to rebrand because consumers have an emotional connection with their brand. So... If you are rebranding, it has to have some sort of significant change for, for consumers' perceptions. So I can see where uh, Motel Village has a, uh, that perception of a more historical perspective. The word motel isn't used very much anymore mm-hmm. and also is associated with a value proposition. Right.
0: And especially in, in this way, it's one thing to rebrand a company or a business, but it's another to rebrand something that is, Part of a almost a landmark in a sense, it's, it's a spot where people go uh, to to get something. So, how do you change that perception about what your what that area stands for? I guess.
3: Yes. So, I I mean, I, I think it would be. I, I see that a lot of the proposals still keep the name Village. What I think is really important to have some of that association. The challenge here as well is it's never been an official name. It's actually you know just something that. Uh, people have always referred to it as so there is there are no there's no signage there's no print i mean it's not really an official brand which is an interesting challenge as well yeah.
0: and how aggressive do you think that the community association or those who are looking to get this kick-started have to be in changing the public perception and opinion about the motel village
3: well, as I said, you know, it, it, there has to be uh, some significant changes, and it's, it appears that that is well on its way. There are many new uh, hotels there and uh, they are you know changing I think it's still in a transition period but it seems that this uh, could be good timing to look at changing that name Mm -hmm. because we are seeing such a change in the properties
0: that are there. Is patience going to have to be a virtue for those around there as well in in making people understand what the the rebrand is all about and making it uh, and trying to stay true to what they hope becomes the vision for the area?
3: Yes, definitely. I mean, it has been named that since what the '50s, '60s. So it's mm-hmm. going to take some time in consumers' minds to change that perception.
0: Any tips on uh, any tips on how those in the community who are trying to paint that area in a brighter light should abide by? You know, from a business standpoint.
3: Well, just that idea that um, you know. With brands, there's an emotional connection, and so um, you have to give consumers a, a reason or some sort of association with it. So the idea of village has that historical perspective. Maybe the word motel is dated now. So, you know, whether that should just be the village, I know is one of the options they were looking at, or even that idea with the university uh, area, that university district rebranding uh, being connected to that may. Uh, the timing may be good for that as well,
0: and it can't be just enough either to just expect that the name change will be brought along and everything will be peachy. Because I, I look at an area, even even go to the north, and when Hobima re, uh, changed its name to Muskoches, that moniker of Hobima still is uh, pretty pretty uh, strong up in in and around Alberta. So it's it's got to be more than just a name change, doesn't it?
3: Exactly, exactly there has to be a change in the physical
0: presence of the, of the location as well. Donna, I appreciate the uh, insight into some of the branding and marketing aspects of what is being proposed in Motel Village.
3: Thank you very much. My pleasure. Nice to chat with you.
0: Looking at another name change before we go to break here, and I completely forgot about it until just now, uh, TransCanada Corp today making a big announcement as they're changing their name as well, speaking of rebrand, TC Energy. The company's chief executive, Russ Gerling, saying the change better reflects the scope of its operations across North America and uh, clearly articulates the company's business, which includes pipelines, power generation and energy storage operations in Canada, the U.S. and Mexico. And the company says for those who are investors, uh, they plan to continue trading under TRP on the Toronto and New York stock exchanges. So, can you can you change a perception, maybe? I don't know. Let me know if you think that this could change. Would it change your perception of motel, village, and area? Text me, 403-974-8255. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Thank you so much for downloading today's podcast. Do me a huge favor and leave a rating and a comment. And you can always hit me up on Twitter as well. Just follow me, at Calgary Today.